Plan B. Regensburg, Friday, 3rd June, 1932. Bobby Sullivan was worried as he supervised the loading of the twins into the Ford Trimotor, its engines idling, ready to take off once they were aboard. He breathed a sigh of relief when Stone's Mercedes touring car roared onto the airfield, carrying Ingrid and her twin siblings. The police may be on their way here, Sturm said as he stepped down from the big motor car. Ingrid's been wounded. I will give her first aid, but she needs real medical attention. In Austria, not in Germany. In the distance, the sound of a siren was growing louder. Make haste, Winston Churchill shouted as he approached the two, a Colt forty-five automatic in his hand. Herr Sturm, after you see to Mrs. Waterman, secure our passengers, and ask Sergeant Rankin to bring the plane about for a prompt take-off. Mr. Sullivan and I will deal with the intruders. Churchill turned to Sullivan with a grin. Burke tells me you're the best shot he's ever seen with a Colt forty-five. Let's see if he's right. Sullivan and Churchill settled in behind Sturm's Mercedes, Sullivan with a forty-five in both hands, Churchill with one. To his surprise, the approaching siren was not on a police car, but rather a large Nazi staff car with swastika flags flying on each front fender. The motor car was approaching at a rapid speed, and Bobby intended to wait until it was fifty yards away as, in his experience, that was the maximum range for a forty-five, if it was to have any real stopping power. Sullivan was surprised once more when Churchill fired three quick shots at a range of seventy-five yards, all of which were tightly grouped squarely in the centre of the oncoming Mercedes radiator. Steam began billowing immediately from the radiator, and the car slowed its approach, coming to a halt forty yards away. That was all Sullivan needed as he stood up from their perch behind Sturm's car. He fired a shot from each of his forty-fives through the windscreen of the Nazi vehicle, both finding their target in the heads of the Mercedes driver and his passenger. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, Sullivan thought. That old Englishman had just displayed the best shooting he had ever seen. After Churchill's three shots at a moving target, Sullivan's two shots at the stalled vehicle had been like shooting fish in a barrel. He once had heard his chief, Michael Collins, say about Churchill in relation to Irish independence, Tell Winston we could have done nothing without him. He wondered if Collins had known about Churchill's marksmanship. The trimotor took off without incident thereafter, with Churchill in the co-pilot's seat, earphones over his head. Once airborne, Sullivan approached the cockpit. Mr. Churchill, I was impressed by your shooting back there. Where did you learn to shoot like that? Churchill, an unlit cigar clenched between his teeth, growled back over his shoulder. Sandhurst, India, the Sudan, South Africa, Ypres. But, sir, that was a long time ago. You asked where I learned, young man, not why I can still shoot so well today. I can answer in one word. Practice. I have a shooting range at my country home in Kent, where I spend several hours once a week keeping up my skills. You can never tell when it will come in handy. I have many enemies who wish me ill. Sinn Féin, Hindus, Muslims, and now undoubtedly the Nazis. But to hit a speeding motorcar, going forty miles per hour three times at a range of seventy-five yards, with only a forty-five automatic handgun, is remarkable. Nonsense, Churchill growled again over his shoulder. How could anyone miss a target as large as a Mercedes radiator? Try hitting the brain of a charging bull elephant, a white rhino, a cape buffalo, or a black-maned lion with one shot. Because frequently you only get one shot. Now that's remarkable. Churchill paused, took his cigar from his mouth, turned his head and smiled. Of course, I've done all that as well.